Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. What is the shaman school? No. You're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The shaman school offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society how to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the Shaman School is a school that we all should have been a part of, one that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I've extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on the Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. Hello Tribe and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast and if anyone hasn't told you how much they love you, appreciate you and really need you on the planet, let me be the first because I do, we all do and I'm very happy that you're alive. Thank you for making the journey to earth, choosing your parents, choosing your body and choosing the pain and the hurt and the different situations you've gone through so that you can gain the wisdom, the clarity and the ability to recognize how to shift and lift this planet through 
diving into the depths of pain and suffering and hurt and loss and abandonment and abuse and all the other things that we've gone through on life so that you can transmute those frequencies so that more love, more joy, more happiness, more freedom, more play, more pleasure, more sensuality, more laughter, more ease is here on planet Earth. And I just want to tell you that it is so wonderful to know that when I go to sleep at night, there are so many lit leaders of legacy around the world and the Liddy Committee is growing by the numbers and it is so nice and it feels so good. So I'm just really, really happy that we all are on this planet at this momental time of existence, this momentum time of life. And I'm so happy that we are here at this time of this monumental time of being alive on this planet to transverse through the different frequencies of intellect and understanding so that we can create the holographic field of intention through the reflection of each other and through the interaction of life to be able to shift and lift the playing field of this dynamic atmospheric experience that we're all having on this planet and when we understand that the multicultural diversities right that we are holding and you know presently honoring we are able to truly bring together this beautiful family that is literally the same being in different bodies operating in its quantum field of existence which is pretty cool to know that the tree that you pass by when you walk down the street is actually you as the flowers and everything else in the universe, the sun, the moon, the person you're talking to, the person you're having some kind of situation with. It's all you, right? And it's all of us integratingly working through and loving through because that's really what it comes down to, right? Is that we're loving through it through the understanding of transversing from work to love and realizing how to open up the energetic fields of intention to be more at lightness and ease and grace and peace and all of these beautiful energies that we're calling in and ushering in through our life experience with each other and our ability to learn from each other and then to raise the frequency of intention and the frequency of love as we move through these lower density frequencies and not just move through them, but transmutate them, transfigurate them into higher frequencies by choosing to dive into them when we first came here as children. So that's a pretty amazing honor if you ask me. And so if you have not taken the time to go to a mirror, look yourself in the face and say, yeah, babe, you are absolutely amazing. You are so beautiful that you chosen to dive into all of that muck, right? And then transmute it, transmutate it and configure it into a new frequency of love. And so it's like we go into these situations in our life where we dive into this painful cesspool of suffering from our ancestries and their ancestries and the global ancestries, right? And we're just like all in it and like diving in it and feeling it and screaming and yelling and going through all kinds of stuff only to realize that we're actually in there 
because we're transforming it and bringing it in this beautiful swirl back into this beautiful light and this light lightness and this effervescent energy of love that it's like, wow, so I chose that suffering so I can rise out of it and then bring these beautiful, amazing wisdoms of spiritual technology to the global family and the global atmosphere. So it's really amazing. And when we understand that, we begin to really dive into the recognizing of adaptation, right? Because look, we can continue to operate in this field that we're going to keep holding on to what we're experiencing, what we're seeing, and then continue to react to it without actually acknowledging it's just an energy that's showing up from the past, which has now become our experience, right? So it came from the past consciousness, past thinking, became our experience in this present moment. And we have an opportunity to react in kind to it from a place of love and observation, or we're going to act from a place of analyzation. The idea of analyzation and observation are so interesting in the way they operate in its technology. Analyzation comes in with the idea that you have to be a private eye or you have to find something or you have to look for something. But what are you looking for in being a private eye? You also have to have a bunch of information in order to be able to understand what you're seeing and what you're perceiving, which again, in a world that, I mean, let's face it right? Didn't give you all of the tools to be able to navigate every single multidimensional spectrum that exists. And even the ones that you don't even know exist, but let's just say the ones that you are becoming aware of, or you now are aware of, but what about all the other ones that you haven't become aware of? You can't take from one world, the way that rules operate in that world, and then bring it to a world that is completely flipped around topsy-turvy, upside down, sideways, backwards, and in and out. That is different from the world that you are, you know, been experiencing most of your life and taking the wisdom and information from that and going into another dimension of the unknown, not possible. (laughs) And the reason why it's not possible is because the information that you were told in this world, which is only one aspect of the many spectrums, is literally geared to make you follow the rules in this world and operate from the idea or the context But without saying that if you don't, then you're not going to be able to live a good life, which, of course, we all know is a bunch of harky malarkey. Yeah, because the thing is, the powers that be or whoever those powers are, right, the governments, the secret societies or whatever the things that are, you know, pulling the strings of humanity through creating all kinds of discord and chaos and just to see if you'll react really knows that the power lies in each and every one of us. Right. And our ability to see either what they're doing and react to it and give them more of our energy right? And freak out because we don't understand adaptation. They don't teach it to you in school. It's not like you go to school as a kid and the first like time you go to school to when you become, you know, a person in high school or college has been teaching you emotional intelligence and the ability to adapt. Now, what is adaptation? You're thinking, okay, Shaman Dirk, what is it? Tell me, I want to know, I want to know, I want to know, right? To be able to adapt to any situation, you know, like some of the greatest monks, shamans, mystics, healers, sages, you know, there's that that Asian monk or samurai warrior who says, you must be bendable like the reed, flexible like the bamboo. You must be able to bend and shift. You must be fluid like the water, soft like the rain. Or 
Maybe I added the soft like the rain part, but I thought it sounded kind of cool with the whole flow, the ocean, the fluidness. Okay, scratch that. Anyway, the point I'm making is this, is that literally they would say that the idea of being in this space where something can come towards you and you're able to flow and ebb and move and, you know, and dance. And, you know, the way I talk about it is like, you know, really learning how to tango with life or salsa or shimmy or shake you know sometimes you might do some hip-hop moves whatever it takes for you to move and flow with nature and the universal changes that's going to make your life easier and effortless whereas most people want to stand strong and hold on and be rigid and so forth and then when the tidal wave comes it just crack break smash boom kata right and it really just makes everything uncomfortable because what you believed was your security, you find out really wasn't your security. And the idea of that security we place so much on is like people will say like, oh my God, I got fired from work today. I'm like, oh, yippee. And they're like, why are you saying that? Well, I mean, I mean, who says yippee? I say yippee because I kind of like the word yippee. But, you know, let's say someone says I got fired from work and I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Why are you saying that's amazing, Shaman Dirk? Because you never really liked that job anyway. That's why you got fired because you didn't like it and you didn't want to take the steps to actually leave it. So what did you do? You sent the universal powers that be to go in and literally kick you in your derriere and push you right out of the door. Now, you can see this as a oh my God, I can't believe this. How am I going to pay my bills kind of situation? Or you can see this as a, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Now I really get to put the energy and the power and the love and the know-how behind the things that I really choose to do with my life versus just, you know, getting a paycheck, paying the bill. Pay the bill, man, pay the bill. So again, so, you know, no one wants to be a slave to themselves or a slave to a system, right? But the Matrix's whole purpose is to make you a slave, but not make you believe you're a slave, but make you believe that you're not a slave because you are allowed to go to the store down the street. Yeah. Or you could take a vacation or you can buy a dog or you can jump rope or you can do all these wonderful things. So it's like, oh, look, you're free. You can do all these things. However, you have to do this, 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 this and this if you want to have a good life. Everybody 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 want to have a good life. You want 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 a good life. Everybody, 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 everybody want to have have a good life everybody want to 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 have a good life everybody 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 want to have a good life well, we all want a good life. Yes, it's true. And we deserve to have a good life. I mean, why would you want to come to a planet, take a body, take a form, come come through the birth canal, have to grow up as a kid, you know, watch yourself growing and going to school, going to puberty, going through all these things, all for the sake of being born into slavery. But you don't know it is because you can see the bars. I tell you, the bars are there. You just don't realize it. But hey, just because the bars are there doesn't mean you can't go and infiltrate that system, yo, and go in there and change the codes. 
Just like when Neo did when he like woke up after he got his butt kicked so many times by the Smitties in The Matrix. And then he decided, you know what? I'm just kind of done playing this game. And he just jumped up and was like, uh-uh, done with this. I'm running. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of fighting. And he just turned and faced the system and was like, stop. Stop. That's enough. We're going to do it my way now. Right. And that's basically what all of this whole purpose is about. Right. It's to get you to realize that the more you keep reacting and the more you keep freaking out and placing all your perspectives in your car, your house, your job as your security, instead of placing it in the divine spirit that's inside you. And you don't realize how powerful that is to actually be in complete resolution within your being knowing that wherever you go whatever you do whatever happens you'll always be safe and that way you know that you can adapt to any situation so like if all of a sudden like cell phones were gone and like computers were gone and all this kind of stuff like you would be okay if you weren't freaking out but the matrix is hoping that you do freak out so that way it can create a system that you'll follow even when those things happen and still keep you in your cage hey 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 you is it possible that i can get out of this cage huh i got things to do well that's exactly what you're being or should i say your soul but maybe it's not saying it in that tone maybe it's like hey i would really like to get out of this cage or hi i'd really like to get out of this cage oh it could just be like hey man i want out of this cage or yeah would like to get out of this cage right but the thing is even if that is not your voice but there is a voice going on inside it's called your soul and it's saying get me out of this cage and you're the only one who can free yourself like bob marley said you're the only one that can free your mind redemption song right but the point i'm making is you can and you can get out of the cage and you can dissolve the bars of the cage because the cage only exists because guess who's the warden of the cage? Dun, dun, dun. You. You're the warden. You are the warden of the cage. You are the jailer. You are the police person. You are the prosecutor. And you are the judge. Now, not saying you always have to be these things. And no one wants to be the judge. No one wants to be the jailer. No one wants to be any of these things. But here's an interesting idea. The matrix has it so that you can be those things so they don't have to be those things for you. So it's kind of like a trickery. Okay, I'm going to show you. It's like a little trickery. Hey, tricks are for kids. Well, not always kids. They're also there for adults as well. You see, what the matrix does is it creates all these rules with all these consequences. And then it also creates consequences that you don't even know are real. Like you're going to go to hell if you do this or you're going to go to hell if you do that. Well, has anyone been there? Not really. Has, have you seen it? No. Well, how do you know? Because well, I read about it. Oh, okay. Okay, thank you for letting me know that. Now I know it's true and I should believe it and actually be afraid of going to hell. Oh my God. You better not do that. Are you going to go to hell? Go to hell. You're going to go to hell. Go to hell. You're going to go to hell. Go to hell. You're going to go to hell. Go to hell. If you do that thing and you don't do it right, you do that thing and you got to say you're going to go to hell. Go to hell. You're going to go to hell. Go to hell. You're going to go to hell. 
Go to hell, you're gonna go to hell. Go to hell, you're gonna go to hell. So don't do the thing that you're not supposed to do, cause you don't know if it's really true. But if you do, you are gonna go to hell. Go to hell, oh, oh, oh. go to hell. I mean, really, people? I mean, <laughs> I mean, literally. People will tell you things that are going to happen to you without actually never really seeing them happen or actually having any proof that it does happen. But with the conviction or with the way they say it, or if they can get a posse of people to say it, then of course you're going to go ahead and buy into it. Well, that's how the matrix operates, right? It's the idea like your school teacher saying, well, if you don't apply yourself in school, you're not going to be able to make much of your life. Really? 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 So you're telling me if I don't go through this, institution of control and when you're all creating rules like first of all let's look at this institution for control for a second one who wrote the school books two why three why am i not learning about myself meaning myself and how i can interact with the world and my gifts on how i can support the world and my abilities which ways i can bring new things new ideas new innovations new creativities new sparks and also how come i don't learn about emotional intelligence like i don't get hurt when someone says something to me or makes a comment about me or talks about me or doesn't like me and how do i deal with conflict resolution when someone wants to have conflict with me how do i resolve it and why am i not given the information on how to be able to source my own food if i should need to do so and if there's no more grocery stores and how do I actually make water drinkable from the ocean when it has salt in it? And how do I build a fire? And how do I build a house with my bare hands if I need to build a shelter, if I'm building a temporary shelter or a long-term shelter? And also, just for the sake of saying, how do I plant food in order to eat? Hmm? And how does that work? Tell me about photosynthesis and how do I actually know if I'm in the right place to plant food? All of these things are really important. And there's so many more things that they didn't teach you, but they definitely taught you about what they wanted you to know, which is history and reading and arithmetic and social studies and a bunch of other things, which don't make really sense because... Mm, well, if I was able to travel the world, I could learn about it without having reading it in a book. And two, history keeps repeating itself because everyone's on a quantum loop. And math, it's great if I want to do something really big that requires a lot of math. However, most today people use calculators. And look, I'm not saying that you shouldn't learn math or kids shouldn't learn math. I mean, it's great. However, I was never a master at math and I'm doing just fine. And the old idea of telling kids that if they don't apply themselves in school, they're not going to make it. How do you know? Is there some type of statistics that you can show me? Are there some kind of graphs that show how many kids don't make it because they don't go to school? How about all the kids who don't go to school and actually make it? Oh, wait a second. And actually become more wealthier than those who went to school who are still paying off their debts for all the school money that they had to pay back for going to school because you've created school to be an institution that actually makes money. Not in all parts of the world, but you kind of get my grift. Now, the thing is, is that when we understand... The quality of humanity being held within the foundations of not really, you know, giving us the tools that we really need, but literally crippling us and then building systems that tell us that we need that we need to go to because we have no way to facilitate anything else because we've been crippled from day one. Now, if that doesn't give you a lot of information, I don't know what will. Because the thing is, is that the system that you live in, right? 
is only able to take from you that which you don't realize you have within yourself. Meaning they can get you to buy things and do things if you feel depleted that you need to take from them in order to fill up. But if you are filled up with truth and knowledge and information and love and you know, if you buy something, you buy it because, you know, you really want to buy it, not because they sold you to buy it because it will make you cooler or happier or give you some sense of security because that security can get ripped right from you in a moment's notice. And that is what we're experiencing right now. And that is the reason why I'm talking about adaptation. Because if you don't know how to adapt to any circumstance that presents itself, no matter what comes down the pipeline, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Put your seatbelts on, buckle your chairs. We're about to go into velocity. Well, the truth of the matter is, life isn't supposed to be a roller coaster. It doesn't have to be like tipsy and derby and upside down Z's and all this kind of stuff that make you literally want to get off and go throw up in the next trash can and tell your friends you want to leave the amusement park. Because the thing is, at the end of the day, it's supposed to be fun and beautiful and heartfelt and connected and sensual and a beautiful connection to nature and animals and conversations that are supporting our individual understanding as well as our collective understanding to forward our species in technology and advancements that allow us to be more loving and peaceful and driven by passion and love to see our planet and our species continue to thrive greater than thriving. No war. Yeah, all of that. And if someone gets sick, they shouldn't be afraid that they can't go to the hospital or can't get the care they need because the fact that they don't have the money to do it, they can't get in there. So you now have to leave the planet because you can't pay your bill. Well, I mean, that's not cool. You know what I mean? Because you should be able to get that love no matter what. Well, you can't. Well, you know what? That really sucks. Well, I'm sorry if it sucks. We have someone that you can go see to deal with that anger. Oh, sorry, you can't. You have no insurance. You have to pay $6 million to go and see this person. Perhaps you take it out in the scream chamber. Or you work it out in the fields. Thank you. And welcome to the future. Well, again, I'm not really happy about that situation either. Well, sorry, but we were built to control you. We are the new AI systems. Please step in line, the next person, please enter your card and tell us your problems. I am having difficulty um, with the, you know, paying this high rent for my place because the oxygen tanks have been old and we wanted a new shipment. Sorry, ma'am, but the air quality is not good. If you cannot pay the oxygen company, Oxygen Co., then we have to cut your oxygen levels and you have to take your risks with the bad air quality that is being being created. <laughs> yeah, talk about a scary movie. I mean, who knows what else they're going to put out in Hollywood to show us what possibilities of the many possibilities of possibilities that could ever happen. The point I'm making is this, my loves. We have the ability to adapt, but we have to shift the way in which we put our energies into things and realize that our security is never in anything material. Our security comes from our spirit. It comes from our wisdom through spirit. It comes to our emotions through spirit. And it comes to our body through spirits and our inner relationship with 
ourselves and our relationship with the collective family that are also operating in the same intention to see themselves lifted and shifted and the people around them happy and free and the planet being able to shift its polarity into a place of true thriving and replenishment and abundance and so forth so that no soul on this planet no matter where you are in the world and no matter what your social conditions or whatever your race is or sexuality or choice of observation of creation that you would be denied love, support, and care because, look, we have lots to do. And the first key is for us to learn adaptation. Adaptation is truly going to be a remarkable gift that you give yourself for the coming days. So spend more time focusing on where are you placing your idea of security and start placing your security and going into that space within you where that beautiful voice inside of you says, hi, I'm here and I'm the creator. And if you tell me I can create something, I can. But if you tell me things that are like you're an idiot or stupid or you're not good enough and no one cares about you and how can you love when there's never been love and all that, then that's only what I can create for you. I can only create what you tell me. So let's be in alignment with each other because I am you and you are me. And I have created you to communicate to me so that I can be the greatest creator to create the life that you truly deserve to live. So that being said, tribe, lit leaders of legacy, I'm now going to leave the building. But what I will say, well, that's if I was in a building or maybe leave the room or studio. But the point I'm making is, is this. You're powerful. You're amazing. And you have what it takes to adapt and be able to, you know, really be the most triumphant being you could ever imagine you can be and that and so much more. Remember, the passion inside of you is real. The love inside of you is real. The joy inside of you is real. That sensual, beautiful energy inside of you is real. And just let that guide you to the place that is most beneficial for you to be. And until next time, I love you, 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 I love you. And that will never, ever, 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 ever change. And I'll see you. Love you. Hey, Tribe. So the Tribe wants to hear from you. And I know a lot of you are talented out there in music and poetry and recipes and ideas and just, you know, things that you want to share with the Tribe. You can send that information to info at shamandurek.com and share your gifts with the Tribe. Love you all and stay lit. Hello, Tribe. We have an amazing share, Tribe share, from our beautiful brother, Mikey Pocker. You can find his Instagram handle at IG at Mikey Pocker. That's M-I-K-E-Y-P-A-U-K-E-R. And the song that he has shared with us today in today's Tribal Share is called We Are Safe. Uh, he just released it a few months ago, so we're really excited that he's been able to share it with us here on Ancient Wisdom today. Enjoy.
Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors who is Lit Verified. The Lit Verified store is open. But what does Lit Verified mean? Lit Verified is an acknowledgement and stamp of approval by the tribe. I have tried each of these products and they are the best. Lit Verified products vary from beauty, technology, clothing, food, health, and wellness, and anything that is ethically sourced, organic, maintained, and sustainable. Not every product offered to the team passes the Lit Verified test. No, not at all. Every Lit Verified product is carefully researched. Every CEO has been met with. Every ingredient carefully looked into the process production of all of it. I have seen the impact these vendors are making. Their vision and ethics are aligned with our tribe, with people who are consciously supporting community and want to make a difference in our world and make it a better place for us. Lit Verified products are ethically sourced and meet the highest industry standards. When purchasing Lit Verified products, we give back by creating sustainability and by leading the world to make better choices. You can be confident that you're buying into a company that supports a vision for change, not just a company that wants to line their pockets with money. We live in a time where we are oversaturated by commercials, TV, and social media, where far too many celebrities and influencers are endorsing things they know nothing about and things they might be doing damage to people, to the earth, and to animals. With Lit Verified, we've taken that doubt out of the equation. You're not only getting the best, but you're also doing the best. Pick up your awesome Lit Verified items at shamanduric.com and click on the link that takes you to Lit Verified. Love well, tribe. All right, tribe. Time to hear from our special guest. Hello, Tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I am super excited for you today, for everyone around the world who is listening, because I have a very dear, close friend, Dr. Carolyn Leaf. And I know you all know, you read the book, Spirit Hacking. You've seen that she left me a beautiful, wonderful endorsement in the book. And I'm so happy to have her because she is so dear and near to my heart. And just, a you know, she's absolutely family and just a powerhouse when it comes to really getting getting us to understand how our neurological system is functioning, how our mind is operating in this world. And with her new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, which is releasing on March 2nd, I just want to let you all know that the way in which she understands both the spirit world and also understands the the mental and the psychological things that are taking place within us as human beings and the way in which we live our lives in that space and how we begin to navigate ourselves to being able to clean up that mess. Because a lot of things that are happening right now in the world is that a lot of people have a lot of mental decline and a lot of negative thinking and things happening that are causing them to attract energies and situations in their life that are not pleasing. And so I'm just so happy because, you know, being able to get rid of those toxic thoughts like she talks about, which you're going to hear about her sharing more about that depression, anxiety, and all of these amazing things she's going to be speaking about. And just so you know a lot about her, Dr. Carolyn Leaf is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist with a PhD in communication pathology and a BSc in logopedics, specializing in cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychology 
biology. Now, this is not the average situation we're talking about here because this is not just a doctor who's speaking to you from just the medical terms. She's actually someone who's lived her life as a spiritual being and is also a doctor. So she's able to relate to both what's happening on a spiritual level and also what's happening on a psychological level. I am so happy to have in studio Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Hello, my love. Welcome. Oh, Shimon, Derek. It is just such an honor to be with you. I miss you so much and I love talking to you and I'm so excited to be back on your podcast. I, I miss you too, a little too much. <laughs> it took us it took us 45 minutes to get to taping because we were talking so much and catching up. So I love that. I love that <laughs> we were having this whole step and we thought maybe we should start recording some of the things we're talking about. Absolutely. Oh, so wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you for that I, you know, lovely I, intro. I am say thank you, of course. I mean, you're my heart and soul. I, you know, I just really want to dive in, really, because you know, we have so much to, to talk about. And I really want to go into like what's happening right now for people. And we look at the world today. The biggest issue that I see as a shaman is that people have a difficulty in coping mechanisms. They don't have the coping abilities that it's not taught to them in school. It's not given to them in their everyday life. And so they're getting this mental decline because they're reacting to everything instead of observing. And that is affecting their mental health. What are your thoughts about this and what is causing it? Mm, such an excellent question and so accurate that they're reacting instead of instead of observing. Well, it, what I believe is the issue is if, if I've been in this field now for nearly 40 years, so it's almost four decades, 30, going into my 38th year of clinical research and I've practiced for 25 years and I've practiced across the, in different areas of the world, war-torn Rwanda, apartheid South Africa, post-apartheid South Africa, with people with traumatic injuries, brain injuries, Alzheimer's, dementias, learning disabilities, sexual trauma, war trauma. So I've crossed, and I say that to say that my whole reason why I have worked with such a cross-section is to try to understand the mind and to try to help people understand what the mind is and what the brain is and what the relationship is. And in that journey, I've seen over the last 40 years the change in how we have gone from seeing a person as a whole person, spirit and soul and body, so not just this physical thing, to seeing people as a product of their brain. And even though I'm a neuroscientist as well and I study the brain, we can't, we've got so caught up in neuroreductionism, reducing everything down just to the biological elements of the physical brain and body, that we've forgotten all about the mind. And the, the mind is, is 99% of who you are. The brain and body are 1%. And yes, the brain and body, there's a relationship between mind, brain and body that's, that's an inseparable relationship. But however, there is a separation. And there are, and then you, if you ignore 99% of who you are, you will land up in the kind of mess that we're in currently. And interestingly enough, between 96 and 20, 2014, it was getting noticed that there's a shift in how people are managing their lifestyles and a shift in actually how, in, in terms of the death rate. So for many decades, people, as we all know, people have been living longer because of the advances in medicine and technology. But suddenly between 96, something was noticed and that there was a shift happening. By 2014, it had, it had been confirmed that instead of people living longer, people were dying younger. So for the first time in decades, prior to COVID, there was already a shift of people dying eight to 25 years younger than they should. And listen to this, from preventable lifestyle issues and diseases. And so now we have to look back at what on earth is going on. 
if you remove mind from the management of being a human and you just make it all about the biology, you will end up with this kind of statistic because you're teaching, you're taking away from people the basic core source, which is mind. And the mind is comprised of the, of the non-conscious and the conscious. And the non-conscious is that, is, is that very spiritual part of you. That's the biggest part of you and the mind. And what they've said in science is that, well, mind is the hard question. Consciousness is the hard question of science. And we, we'll do sort of what they call promissory science, where we'll do it down the line, but let's just focus on what we can see and touch and hear and feel. And it's all about, well, this chemical imbalance is causing your depression. Forget about the story. Forget about the trauma. Forget about what you've just gone through. They don't see that as significant. What they're seeing as significant is the actual fact that you have certain symptoms. So we've turned into these machines. And when you do that, you remove the ability of people to be able to process the information so we're getting we, we are living in an era a consequential era where it's in the the mind has been ignored and this that 99 part of us has been ignored and we've been reduced down to these physical things and so now we're in this technological age this advanced technological age where people are dying 8 to 25 years younger then COVID hits so we already hit in a bad state living in hurry sickness rushing around not taking time to observe not taking time to deep think anyone experiencing any kind of depression or anxiety it was immediately labeled as a disease and like cancer or diabetes no good no foundational science to this total misinterpretation of science to to present that view but that's the view that has been very dominant and in, in, into the current day then covid hits and now obviously people are going to have a reaction that's it's to, to be depressed and anxious and sad and worried is absolute and grief and terror is absolutely normal when you face with something that's so confusing and we don't know what to do about it and people are dying and what kinds of financial and social implications and isolation and all the things that have been happening. And so that's people are having normal reactions to adverse circumstances. Since the beginning of time, we've had normal, we've as a human, we are reacting to the events and circumstances of life that we can't control, but we can control our reactions. So just to sort of summarize and, and, and kind of pull together the, the answer to your question, because that was kind of the foundation. Since the beginning of time, mankind has battled with their mind. This is nothing new. And anxiety and depression and, and grief and, and disassociation and, and all these things are not illnesses. They are symptoms of an underlying cause. These are, they are warning signals of something that's going on. And that in every decade or in every generation, we'll be facing our own unique crises, which manifest in their own unique ways. But consistent across the beginning of time has been that man will react with depression and anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. So they're not illnesses. They are warning signals telling us that our brain and our body and our mind, which are separate, are out of sync or there's the, the balance is gone. We're wired for love. We're wired for survival. Our brain is wired for love. Our body's wired for love. We have an optimism bias. And as soon as we start suppressing the need to process and stand back, observe, embrace, process and reconceptualize why we're feeling that pain. Until we allow people to do that, we will see young people dying younger and younger all the time. We'll see mental health on the rise, mental ill health on the rise. But it's not really mental ill health that's on the rise. It's the mismanagement of mind and the whole spiritual nature of mankind that has led to this whole new kind of pandemic that we're facing. So we have to reintroduce that. And that's really what I think is a big factor. Obviously, we see as well with COVID that it's taken another year of people's lives, just this experience. But it doesn't have to be that way if we know how to process the experience. 
And that's the key. The key is we, with all that I've, what I've said is that we have to be able to embrace process and reconceptualize our experiences. All of us are experiencing this in different ways. We all are mental mess in different ways, but we can learn to manage this from very young. We should be teaching our kids how to manage their minds, the coping concept that you spoke about. I know that's a long answer. And I don't know if you want to unpack anything there. No, it's absolutely fine. And I love your answers. So Dr. Carolyn, let me ask you this. When it comes to understanding how we're operating within our conscious and unconscious mind, a lot of people don't understand, and I would love for you to speak about it, about how the reason why it's called the unconscious mind and why and what is actually stimulating the conscious mind in our world that is actually limiting us from getting in touch with that unconscious mind. Okay, beautiful question. Okay, so first of all, mind. If we talk about what mind is, mind is 99% of who you are. Mind is always with you. You go to bed with your mind, you wake up with your mind, you eat with your mind, you dress with your mind, you're using your mind right now as you're listening to me. You can go three weeks without food. You can go three days without water. You can go three minutes without oxygen, but you don't even go three seconds without using your mind. So mind is the source of everything. So if we don't understand the conscious and the, and the non-conscious mind, we lose out on a lot of the ability that we have to observe and, and, and cope and control our reactions. You can't control events and circumstances. We all know that. But we can learn to control how we respond and how the past plays out into our future. Okay, so mind is this, on a psychological level, if you want a definition of this mind, which is the source of lifestyle of everything, we can. it's our thinking, feeling, and choosing. So mind is how we think, how we feel, and how we choose. When you, you're always thinking, as I already mentioned, when you think, you will always feel. You cannot not think without feeling. And when you think and feel, you'll make choices. So think of think, feel, choose as being inseparable mind in action functions. So you as a unique being have your own unique way of thinking, feeling, and choosing. And you are thinking, feeling, and choosing at incredible speeds in the non-conscious mind and the conscious mind. So that takes me to the next, I'm going to come to the non-conscious and conscious in a moment. Just very quickly then, what is brain? Brain is the physical. And so the brain is the physical subject the body is the physical substance and the, where is the mind in relation to the brain well the mind and the brain the, the mind is in gravitational fields quite literally we can use things like quantum physics and electromagnetics in fact Einstein in the early 20th century spoke about the photons the photoelectric effect etc and we generate that if someone's alive they're generating the energy is being generated around them and that then goes through the brain and the body so the brain is not a generator the brain is a responder the mind is the is where the power is. And the mind moves through the brain and the body and the brain and the body respond. So right now, as you listen to me and as all the listeners are listening, they are using the mind, think, feel, choose to process the auditory signals, the auditory sound waves that I'm sending out by my voice and our conversation. And so the, the auditory sound waves are grabbed. You think, feel, choose, which is the processing machine, kind of, what, well, I shouldn't say machine, the processing functionality that we have as humans in this gravitational field around the brain and body that's then pushed through the brain and the brain and body then respond on an electrical, electromagnetic, chemical and genetic level. And my words are converted into little protein structures with vibrations inside the protein in little branch and the proteins group together to grow branches. So visualize a tree growing. So as I'm talking, the sound waves from my voice through your mind become protein structures in your brain that look like trees. And as I'm speaking, 
I'm growing, a tree has roots. I am giving you the roots, the origin story. How does the brain and the mind work? What is this, this unconscious conscious, all the questions we're asking. So as you introduced me, you sowed a seed in the ground. And then as I started speaking, all the little root branches are what you are growing. At 400 billion actions per second, you are converting the sound waves, the electromagnetic waves through think, feel, choose into brain. Brain then responds genetically, electrically, chemically, and so on. And these words are now becoming these protein structures in your in as roots in these thought trees in your brain. And then there's a tree trunk that grows, which is your perspective of what I'm saying, because uniqueness is the unique way you think, feel, and choose. So each listener is hearing this, what I'm saying, the same stuff, but interpreting it differently. And then you grow branches and leaves, which is how you will manifest this information, that's behaviors and the emotions. And then that completes the tree. And as I say more, you grow more roots, more branches, more leaves, more roots, more... And so eventually, as the end of this discussion, you now have this thought tree uh, about mind, brain, and mental health and whatever. And now that will then be the source of your words and your actions, how this will influence how you see yourself, how you see anxiety, depression, how this plays out. In other words, your behaviors, your communication. So I know that's a lot, but you need to see the power of mind. And now we can take, let's go to mind. What is mind? As I've said, it's think, feel, choose. It's this gravitational field that moves around and in the brain and the body total hardcore science, nothing nothing weird. We need to recognize science and spirituality are the same thing, just two different angles of looking at the same thing. And that there's even Nobel Prize winning scientists who won, they won prizes, Nobel Prizes on their work on the gravitational fields. And we, what we see is that that gravitational field is, um, it's, it's almost like if you have a white piece of paper and you put a pile of iron filings on that piece of paper. I'm sure you did this at school at some point. Most of the listeners would have done this as well. And then you bring a magnet and you put that in the middle of the iron filings and suddenly the iron filings arrange themselves into this beautiful pattern around the magnet. If you remove the magnet, the pattern goes. You put the magnet back, the pattern comes back. The reason that the pattern forms when the magnet touches the iron filings is because there's an electromagnetic field that the magnet is attracted to and the iron filings are showing the visual because you can't see it visually. So the iron filings trace where it exists. And that's kind of what the mind is like. The brain is the magnet and the field is your mind. And when our behaviors are like the iron filings. So what you say and what you do shows the pattern of your life. And whatever, we, if we've had a toxic experience, that pattern comes out and it, and it can come out in a toxic way. We suppress stuff and things explode at some point in our life and we have shame or whatever about ourselves or whatever. So every experience we have is coming, it will be manifested in our behaviors. Okay. So now having said that, let's come back to the, the non-conscious and the conscious and the unconscious and the subconscious, because those words can be very confusing. And in the book, um, I have, um, Derek, I have put everything I'm saying is in the book that I've just described. And there's a whole little summary of mind because this is key. If mind is always with you and mind is think, feel, choose, and it's this gravitational field that moves through the brain and, and that you, it's you, you are mind basically. And it's your thinking, feeling, and choosing that's creating the structural change inside the brain and the body. And hence are from that our behaviors, what we say and what we do. And we can then go back and forth. We can fix things. If we understand this process, whatever toxic issues happened, we can actually change that. We can we can direct the neuroplasticity of the brain with our mind. We can systematically change our mind to change our brain. So coming back to mind now, mind has got 
different parts. You've got the conscious mind, which is the easiest to understand. And that's what we are in at the moment. So when you wake up, you're in your conscious mind. Conscious mind is not as fast as the non-conscious mind. The conscious mind is basically when you are aware. But the conscious mind has this incredible self-regulatory, it's called active self-regulation. It's basically ability that we have to stand back and observe our own thinking, feeling, and choosing. We are totally capable of self-regulating our every moment. We see from neuroscience that we can consciously and deliberately and intentionally self-regulate every 10 seconds, which doesn't mean you're going to watch a stopwatch. It means that you are able as a human to develop your conscious skills to the point where you can observe your own thinking, feeling, and choosing all day, all the time when you're awake, which means that you can be aware of your facial expressions when you're communicating, the way you're putting your words together, the response of the people that you're speaking to, that you can observe how you're doing your work, you can watch how you're responding to situations. And that's a skill that we can develop. It's in us, it's at self-regulation, but it's something that we should be developing. The more we develop it, that the better. In this past 40 years, where we've become so neuro-reductionistic, we have killed that skill to a large extent. <laughs> <laughs> we've really killed that skill. Tell me about it. <laughs> so, so that's like, and I'm glad about your reaction there. So now, if we don't have our conscious mind controlled, we're not going to take advantage of the non-conscious mind. And this is now really an explanation of how I see your, what you do in your work. The non-conscious mind is this massive, infinite spiritual part of us. All of mind is spiritual, but the, the non-conscious mind is awake 24-7. It's massive, it's infinite, it operates on quantum principles, so the present, past, and future all blend. It is where every experience that you've ever had, right from at a certain point in the womb, to birth, through to now, and all the stuff that comes through the generations because it passes through the sperm and the ova. So we have decades of epigenetics. We have, and and you know, you've got the you've got the spiritual language for this, but we have inside of us as well the past, and in and all of this you can imagine as being a massive forest. So if you imagine that you're, and, and I was trying to stress this, that it's the non-conscious, not unconscious. So it's conscious mind is awake when you're awake, non-conscious, N-O-N. The non-conscious mind is awake 24-7. And that's the biggest part of you, N-O-N. Unconscious is basically when you have an anesthetic where you're knocked out. Subconscious is, is the bridge between the non-conscious and the conscious. So right now you're consciously hearing me say words. The way that you understand what I'm saying is based upon existing memories that have some relation to what I'm saying that are moving through from the non-conscious through the subconscious and popping into your conscious mind. So as I'm talking, the thoughts with all the embedded memories, because thoughts look like trees, as I explained, and trees have got lots of branches and roots, and those are memories. So one thought, many memories in the root memories, which is the origin story, and the branch memories, which are the behaviors and emotions. Together, all of that manifests in what you say and what you do. So as you're listening to me now, thoughts are popping up into your brain from your non-conscious through the subconscious into the conscious mind. So what we have to do, and teachers like you teach us to do this, and I have the science of how to do this, which goes hand in hand with what, what you're doing, is uh, that basically you've got to use your, develop your self-regulatory observing, stand back and observe your own thinking power, your veto power, to listen to the message that is popping through the subconscious, to tap into the depths of the non-conscious. So if you imagine the non-conscious is this massive forest and imagine that you're in a helicopter and you are the pilot, but you're also the co-pilot. 
the pilot is a sort of messy experimental part of who we are, which is this life happens, we wake up, we get the email, we look at Instagram, or we thinking of our day. All of that is process through our mind in the way I explained earlier. So when you look at an email or you think of the day, it's not just some random thing. It is your thinking, feeling, choosing mind that is processing that energy into these structures in your brain and drawing on these structures to process that energy. So you're doing this all day long. So your conscious mind is actively doing that, but you can control the effectiveness of that by observing how you do it. And then you can, that, that means you can channel the day in the way that you want it to go. And you can, you can be more proactive and prepared for the acute things that do tend to happen. But at the same time, we can then train ourselves to tune into the non-conscious. So in the helicopter, the picture that I'm painting for you, your non-conscious mind, sorry, you're in, in the helicopter, your conscious mind is the pilot and it's experiencing life and it's experimental because we're not quite sure exactly what we're going to do and how it's going to work out. So we kind of think, feel, choose in an experimental way. And the more self-regulated we are, the quicker we can see if the experiment worked or if it didn't. Did I respond well enough? Did I? Am I dealing with this guilt? Is this guilt driving me? Am I in shame? Am I? Am I? Did I hurt that person? Did I? Maybe I should say sorry. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. So the the pilot is has this veto power. Now the pilot has a co-pilot and the co-pilot is wise mind. It's wise Caroline. It's, so it's messy Caroline pilot. Co-pilot is wise mind. Okay. So it's wise Caroline. Messy shaman direct, wise shaman direct. Okay. And all of us have this. And the wise mind is infinite. It is powerful. It has access to what we know to be truth, to ancient wisdom. It has, and if you're flying over the forest, the forest is all of the experiences in these little trees. Some trees are small, some are big, some are really green, some are dark clusters where there's the trauma in our lives or the toxic habits we've developed, the undealt with issues. And other, and there's all different sized green trees. The smallest ones would be the most recent thoughts we've built. And the big established trees are the strongest ones from years, you know, from long time. But through the middle of the forest is this beautiful strip of green trees that are exquisite and perfect and the water's perfectly running through. It's just exquisite. It's the most exquisite scene that you can imagine. And that's the core of who you are. That is your wise mind. That is where you tap into the spiritual nature of who you are, the depths of your wisdom and the depths of the wisdom of Godness, loveness, whatever you want to call it. That's the connection point. And we have to do the work of flying our helicopter over this experimental life and moving between the messy mind and the co-pilot mind or actually creating a collaboration between the, the messy pilot and the wise mind co-pilot. Because as you're flying, that cluster of dark trees that you're flying over right now that's sending up a signal of anxiety and depression is something that you can either push down or you can listen to the co-pilot and who says, hey, actually, this is something to pay attention to. If you just slap a Band-Aid on like with a positive affirmation or you try and suppress this, that's not getting any smaller. It's growing bigger and it's getting bigger and it's invading the other trees and it's invading how your relationships are functioning and this and this and this. So you listen to your wise mind and you land the helicopter and you get out the helicopter and you go up to that cluster of trees and you start embracing them. But now, this is so key here. You've landed the helicopter. You are safe because you've accessed your co-pilot is with you. Your co-pilot is drawing on the wisdom from that middle forest, which is your wise mind. In neuroscience, we would call it wired for love. We'd see in the brain that there are no structures for anything toxic. There's no structures for hatred, envy, bitterness, jealousy, anxiety, depression, etc. What there are structures for is management of that. So if I am anxious and I don't do anything about it, 
I'm actually creating brain damage. But if I'm anxious and, and in this co-pilot scenario that I've painted for you and I accept, okay, that anxiety is helpful. It's not a scary, terrible thing that I'm a suppress with a drug. I don't need to have a label to validate it. It doesn't need to be seen as a disease. As soon as I do that, I throw my brain and my body into terrible stress. 1,400 neurophysiological responses will work against me instead of for me. I showed in my clinical trials, even your DNA, even your telomeres, which are the ends of chromosomes, which are vital for cell division and biological health, are going to shorten. I showed in nine weeks with mind management, you can totally reverse your, your biological aging and drop inflammation, et cetera, et cetera. And we can maybe talk about that in a moment. But essentially, when you decide to listen to the co-pilot, when you decide to work together with the co-pilot, you access the wisdom that is inside of you. And the more you do it, the more, the more you get into that forest and you start getting the insight to find and to manage. And you do this by embracing and processing. So you see it as helpful messengers. In the West, we have this crazy philosophy that Anxiety and depression and terror and grief are terrible things. They're not. They are te- They are simply symptoms telling you, hey, if you don't, there's something going on that's threatening your survival, that's threatening your wired for love nature of your mind. It's threatening your optimism bias. You know how people are so drawn to the negative? And very often in science and in the media, we'll see scientists saying that we have a negativity bias. That's totally incorrect. (laughs) Negativity bias will kill us. Optimism bias is survival. So when we are drawn to the negative, it's not because we're drawn to the negative for the negativeness of this negativeness um, issue. We are drawn to it because it's imbalance. It's threatening our survival. We need to correct it. So we're drawn to correct it. And that's what we do. We're drawn to land the tree at the forest. If we see anxiety and depression and all these words, even disassociation, schizophrenia, all these words which are descriptions of symptoms of warning signals of an underlying issue when we see them as helpful and this is all with mind work when we consciously decide to look at them in that way then suddenly our body and brain are now in a resilient state and we've now got 1400 neurophysiological responses working for us instead of against us and the blood vessels around our heart will dilate and the little mini brain of 40,000 neurons in the heart will start functioning incredibly well with the, with the frontal lobe of the brain and the brain will start sending out um, increased theta waves which are healing waves through the brain which then changes and, and, a, and a hormone called atrial nutritic factor will start being released from the heart and I can go on and on and on and dopamine will increase and whatever and whatever. So we get this incredible response in the brain and the body when we say, okay, I face the guilt. I embrace the guilt. I'm looking at this tree. I'm going to now start unpacking this tree. What is it? What are the gathering awareness of the emotional and physical and behavioral and perspective warning signals and reflecting deeply on them and going through the five-step process of the neurocycle. So what I've developed is the neurocycle to deal with that. But we can talk about that in a moment. So in summary, the mind is this think, feel, choose. The conscious mind is awake when you're awake, operates at about 2,000 actions per second, has veto power, is designed to self-regulate, is the pilot-co-pilot interaction thingy. And then the non-conscious mind operates 24-7, never stops. It's your why, where all your thoughts, memories, etc., thoughts with their memories of every experience you've ever had is built and will be built. And in the middle of that is your wise mind, that strip of forest that we need to get access to. Sometimes we have so many dark trees on either side of that strip that we we don't get through. We get so caught up in the busyness of life and hurry sickness and not observing and standing back that we can't see the wood for the trees. We can't see that internal forest, but we can train ourselves to do that. And so the non-conscious is that powerful part. The subconscious is the bridge that as we choose with our conscious mind to tune in, we're actually actually going to then 
the subconscious mind then takes us into the non-conscious mind. And then we can start getting into the depths of what we need to fix, what we need to grow by drawing on the wisdom of the non-conscious mind. Long answer. <laughs> it's fantastic. And then, I mean, just, I just want to go back to something that you said, because I'm, I'm just going through and unpacking certain things. And I think it's important because a lot of times when I talk to a lot of the tribal members and I talk about don't analyze, drop into observation. And I teach them like when you're looking at an ocean, you're not analyzing the water. You're not analyzing why the ocean is moving. You're just observing mm-hmm. and witnessing. And I call it the witness within. And I explain to everyone that in shamanism, if you want to tap into all the subtle frequencies and energies and all the different things that are happening, you're not going to do it by analyzing. You're going to do it by going into the witness and witnessing mm. what is happening in the experience because the witness gives you the ability to move solely into that observation. And in that space, you're connecting into that deep wisdom of that, of that part of your being that you were speaking about. Mm-hmm. And then also you're connecting into the part that's actually watching you witness it. So mm. the learning and the, or should I say the remembering, because I call learning remembering, mm-hmm. um, becomes more um, vital. And the more you do it, the more vital it becomes. And the more you begin to realize that you're not just a reactive person reacting to every single thing that shows up in life because... Mm-hmm. Because what I explain to people is that we're in a quantum loop. So every time we are looking at the world, we're looking at the past. We're not Mm -hmm. looking at the future of this Mm -hmm. world. So a lot of times when people base their relationship to their reactions of what's happening right now, they don't realize that everything that's happening now came from a past thought that then created itself into being their present now. So if they're not aware of what's happening now, that's creating their tomorrow, their next week, and their next Exactly, exactly. Beautiful. That's exactly, and that's exactly what the science is showing. It's exactly what we, so we're both teaching the same thing from the spiritual and the scientific angle, which are two sides of the same coin. And it's so beautiful because those, we spend a half to three quarters of the day time traveling. When we, when we, um, like daydream and we think Wait, did we you are, say what you just said? Yes. <laughs> I just said oh, that we spent uh, half to okay. three quarters. <laughs> I don't want to cut you off, but like literally okay. in shamanism, we say that the mind time travels. Mm. And people for years and years would laugh at shamans and laugh at mystics for mm-hmm. saying that the mind time travels. And that literally that when you're time traveling, you're going back to a situation and pulling uh-huh. energy empathically. Exactly. So your body thinks it's still in that situation. But I'm just, uh, exactly. you know I love you. I love you so much. I just, <laughs> I just, I could spend like 15, 16 days, weeks, years talking to you oh. and I'll never, ever. Ever. Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be exploring this together for years and, and getting all these truths out and helping people to understand. But absolutely, I agree with you. I could talk to you feel exactly the same. It is so. It is true. Energy is never lost. Energy is transferred. And you're either transferring that, and that's a basic physics principle, and it's a basic principle from what I'm understanding from shamanism. So it, we are energetic beings. At our core, yes, we can see each other. Yes, we can look at our bodies now and see physical. But at the if you go down to the subatomic level, we are waves of love we literally the scientists quantum physicists and and classical physicists that work in a more quantum realm will talk about how we waves of love gravitational fields there's there's there's, when a person is in a state of of peace it looks different to uh, when a person is anxious and i saw that i've got images in my book if you see there's that one page there's some colored 
a colored brain to go. I looked inside the brain with a QEEG and I love the QEEG because it shows us the energetic response of the brain, which then influences blood flow and oxygen and chemicals and, and, and neurochemicals and so on. But essentially we are these waves of love energy and it's a bit like you used to use your ocean analogy. We have these different waves. And so when I talk about time traveling, I want to just relink all these images so people can get this. So when I talk about time traveling, let's just quickly go to the helicopter. Your helicopter is a, honestly literally a time vessel. It's a little time capsule, like back to the future time capsules, literally. And it, as you pass over that non-conscious mind, you are looking into the past. Every tree that you land at is a thought of your nurturing as a child. And, this, and, it's, and all of that collectively creates this energy force that then moves through the subconscious into your conscious mind and influences your next decision. So it's exactly what you've said. And this is a scientific fact. In the gravitational fields that surround the brain and the body, we have these waves of energy. I can't take yours, you can't take mine, but I can enhance yours and you can enhance mine. Or I can flatten yours and you can flatten mine. So how we interact with each other will influence that wave form. So if you imagine this forest and you imagine now that there's this ripple, like a, a rippling wave moving through the forest. And there's a lot of visuals that I'm pulling up and I'm sure I'm sure you and your listeners can can pull up ripples where you think of like where they movies where they show like ripples moving through a forest. I want you to imagine there's this ripple moving through the forest of waves. And the biggest ripple that you or the biggest not ripple, the biggest wave is what we would call a delta, delta wave. The next wave that you if you if you come come in a little closer, you'll see it's a, a little bit, it's not as big. It's not as deep and as big. It's a little bit less. That's theta. Then if you look the the wave starts building into a, towards a crest, that's beta. Then you'll see the crest and it starts going white. That's high beta. And then you'll see it crash on the beach and form ripples. That's gamma. At any one moment, when we're in a state of landing our helicopter, making a decision to co-pilot and pilot through this toxic trauma, in other words, embrace, process, and reconceptualize, instead of running away, suppressing, whatever, when we tune to tap into that inner wisdom, where we tune, because when you're at that, then you land that helicopter, and there's this ripple going around you. The ripple, you there's two things that are happening here. One is that the co-pilot has direct access to that wisdom in the middle of the forest. So that inner wisdom inside of us, that ancient inner wisdom, plus the inner in, inside that is the ancient wisdom that's come down through the ages that's inside of us as well. This is epigenetics. It's science. So the past four generations and more um, will pass down through the sperm and the ova. Tons of research. I've written about it in my books. So the co-pilot is tapping into that. And that's where you feel safe because you know that you're going to get the right answer. You're going to get the, the wisdom and the strength to be able to process and reconceptualize this into something that's going to work for you, energy that works for you instead of against you. So instead of that repeated trauma breaking you and affecting everything about who you are as a person and future relationships, you take that energy, you remove that toxic energy, you embrace it by embracing and processing, and then you reconceptualize that and make that into another tree where the pain is now gold leaves in the tree because it's part of your story. You've taken the X, which was the trauma. You've taken the Y, which was the interpretation of the trauma. And you've now created XY, which is the healthy, sorry, X is the trauma. Y is the, what it should have been. And X plus Y is now how you've changed it and reconceptualized it into how it should be in the future. So it's like taking an ugly old house that you have, that you have bought, that you're going to renovate and you 
and take photos of all the ugly parts of the house and then you bash it down and you get it rebuilt. Now you've got this beautiful new space. You still remember the old, but you're living in the new space. That's reconceptualization. And that's what you're doing with this process. But the co-pilot draws on the inner wisdom. It, it, there's a direct line, can go co-pilots going to that forest, the wise middle forest and getting the advice as you dig, as you face this tree and as you unpack it and, and the co-pilot is with you digging up the roots one day at a time. And this takes time. I mean, this is not going to happen straight away. This happens in cycles of 63 days, which I've shown in my research in the first part of the book. I'm sure you saw there, there's, the, there's research on, on the time frame. We don't build habits in 21 days, which is just folklore. It's a myth. We take 63 days to build a tree that has sufficient energy that it will actually impact behavior. And that's important because we can't do this quick fix. So it's cycles of three weeks, minimum of three for behavior change. And you could do multiple cycles depending on how much trauma there is. In fact, for the rest of our life, we are going to be dealing with stuff. So it's an ongoing process. But the time travel that's happening, to come back to that, is that if you look at that tree, that happened in the past. So you are going into the past. You also, at that moment, in the present, because you're knowing how you're functioning, you know how you function in the present. You know, you're looking at the past and you're looking at the predicted future. Because in the quantum world, the future's already happened. So you can literally go into your future and change the past so that it plays out differently now. I mean, that's how it's called retroactive causation in quantum physics, where you literally are going time traveling. And it's another whole discussion, which we need two hours to unpack. And I'm just throwing it out there. But there's science behind time travel. And we time travel. Every moment that you're just daydreaming, you are traveling through that forest and you're looking at things of the past and you're predicting into the future. You're actually changing, already changing the future by how you go back and see the past. It's happening all the time. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, it's absolutely wonderful. We believe the same thing in shamanism. And in fact, we also believe that not only can you time travel, but you can also, we believe that everything is simultaneously happening. So we don't see it as any kind of time, but we understand yes. the time as far as the linear projection that is necessary yeah. for human bring, beings to operate within their third finite mind mm -hmm. to be able to understand that connection. <laughs> because, exactly. Because, <laughs> we're talking the same languages from just the same concepts, just from two beautiful different languages. I know. And I love that about us. Blended. Yeah, it has to be blended. You know, and this is why, uh, why I decided years ago that, did you, are you aware, Shaman Direct, that in science they call consciousness the hard question? And, and I've never understood why. Because to me, it's the most obvious question. Because for them to even pose that question, the scientists, you are using their mind. So you can't, your mind is always with you. As I've already said, you can't go even three seconds without your mind. So for me, it's the most obvious question. And that's why I have spent 38 years in clinical research with the clinical application, constantly developing and trying to understand what is mind. And mind is this thing, feel, choose. It's got these different elements, conscious, non-conscious, subconscious. When you think, feel, choose, you build thoughts into your mind, into the gravitational fields, into those waves, into these networks in your brain. And another thing that we haven't spoken about, into the DNA of every cell of your body. So everything that, that your listeners are listening to now and hearing is becoming part of their brain as a protein tree, part of their gravitational fields as a wave, as a sort of special kind of wave, and also in the DNA of 37 to 100 trillion cells of their body. And this is why when we have a traumatic experience or even a happy experience, when we recall it, it's coming from that's when we consciously recall something, we are moving through the subconscious, pulling up a tree. So in our helicopter, landing it at a tree and pulling it back into the conscious mind and coming with it is all the data, 
all the emotions and the physical sensations in your body. That's why you feel that whole whoosh. And that's why with trauma, we have to deal with all three elements. You can't just deal with brain. You have to deal with brain and mind and body in order for healing to take place. And that's why I developed the neurocycle, which is how you systematically can train your conscious mind to do what your non-conscious mind already does because your non-conscious mind's already neurocycling. So we're making a conscious, we're making a process that's already non-conscious. We're making it conscious in order to be able to work through and deal with stuff. I can see it so beautifully blending with um, with what you do as well. So I don't know if you want me to explain the neurocycle, if you want to ask any questions, other, I don't know, where, where do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I want to go, we can come back to that. I would love to go into more epigenetics because I feel like epigenetics is our future. And I feel like, you know, with the right amount of understanding of how we're operating both within the invisible plane to how things are being functioned within just our, our, our basic situation of like, you know, a lot of times people don't realize that I call it the human ecology, which is the understanding that your environment, your, the friends you hang out with, the food you eat, the music you listen to, the conversations you're having, the things that you're actually allowing in are mm-hmm. all creating this environment, the way that your body is developing and absolutely, absolutely. And, and that took place also in the gestation period, you know, inside of your mother's womb. And I feel like, you know, so many people don't realize that a lot of the, the major things that they're experiencing emotionally and their reactions towards one thing or another is all coming from epigenetics. And I would love to speak about that. Absolutely. I, I love that. And it's so important. So first of all, just the first part of your of your question there or your comment was how everything we're experiencing is going into these forests of our mind. That's exactly what is happening. So we're transforming through this experimental process. We're transforming. When I say we are transforming, we every experience we have, it's our think, feel, choose. So we think, feel, choose in every cultural, nurturing, experience, every experience we have from the moment we open our eyes to the moment we go to sleep and from in the womb. We are, and then, so that's, we're creating. So we're creating all the time to this forest, adding to this forest. But then in the forest, there are these existing networks. They're interesting. They look a little different. So I'm going to keep with the analogy of the trees because I think it makes it easy to understand. And it's very accurate because your thoughts look like trees in your brain. And they just basically these waves of energy, as I described. That are bouncing off of each other. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. now let's say let's say that the it's easy to visualize a toxic tree, which is something that's traumatic with toxic habit. It's easy to visualize a beautiful strip of green trees through the middle. It's easy to visualize maybe some small little green trees and some bigger trees or whatever different sizes, which all represent the amount of time that the these thoughts, how long they've been there from like an early childhood thought would be a bigger tree than something you've just grown out today. And something you think about a lot would be bigger than something you hardly think about. So it's whatever you think about the most growth. But there's another type of tree there, and it's the epigenetic tree. And that is a tree that actually is in, it's kind of, it's sealed off. And until it's, you can imagine it, either it's in a some kind of a box or it's got some kind of wrapping around it, but it it's not active. It's not actively, it's there and it's got a certain amount of energy coming out of it. So it does have a certain influence, but it's um, in terms, but it's not there, it's not active until activated, until you actually rip the covering off and you go up to it and you actually rip it off and you let it bloom. And then it starts having this energy influence on how you function. So what what that means is we see that whatever a parent has experienced in their life, even whatever they experienced, whatever they 
every experience, including every like food, dietary, et cetera, et cetera, is stored in the brain and the body and in the gravitational fields. And it passes through the sperm and the over to the next generation and the next generation, the next generation, but it passes through sealed. So it creates the propensity, but not doesn't guarantee that it's going to happen. So for example, yesterday I was being interviewed by someone and, and she was actually saying that her mother suffered a terrible clinical depression and was identified under this very neuroreductionistic regime, <laughs> which, um, so it, she's told that she had a disease and, and once people are labeled, they get stuck in that label. I mean, as you oh, and I both know, sure. they can, yeah, they can get, it becomes dominant and then you can't break through. It was never dealt with. So that then came through and, but it's a tree in her brain, but it's sealed. So she can look at that tree through the eyes of how she sees her mom. And she can do one of two things. Oh, that's genetic. I can't get away from it. I'm also going to have it. And if you do that, that is then you going up to the tree, ripping off the covering and allowing it to bloom and now influence your life. Or you can say, I don't want that in my life. I don't want that kind of reaction. I don't want to react like that, that it crippled me. I need to understand that tree. So I'm rather going to go up to that tree. I'm going to seal it off somehow. And I'm going to understand that tree as best I can through either questioning my mother or getting whatever information I can, or just looking at the behaviors and saying, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. How can I avoid it? So you embrace process and reconceptualize that tree and then you destroy it so that the propensity is now controlled. Can you hear you've actually shifted the control. So epigenetics is what passes through the generations, but it's also how you manage what's been passed through. It's the over and above factor. So just because it's there in the, the, the brain, the body, and the mind, three places, that doesn't mean that that's a certainty for your future. It's not your destiny. It's simply a propensity, a proclivity. So you can decide how you want to manage it or how you don't want to manage it. Now, the example, my dad died at 69 of a heart attack and so did his father and they both didn't eat the best way that they could. So I'm extremely aware of that and I'm extremely aware of, of eating a healthy diet and managing my mind. Neither my father nor my grandfather managed their mind at all well. They did not manage their toxic traumas from their youth and they were just very high-stressed people. So I know that. So that's inside of me. And there's times where I feel that anxiety, but I know I've gone and unpacked that tree and I've made that decision to, to from what I understand where they came from because I know their stories. I'm not going to have that happen to me. So I've taken that tree out of my brain, out of my body, out of my mind, and I've reconceptualized it into one of, I can manage my lifestyle through through changing my dietary habits, et cetera, which I've done. I eat totally healthy and whatever, and farm to table, organic and so on. And I've also learned I've, from being a child, I was very aware of my way my father reacted to things and I'm not going to react like that. So I've changed my pattern of reaction. I'm man managing my mind. So I'm changing the, epi I'm using, and that's epigenetics. The decision, that's my mind. Me saying I decided, that's my thinking, feeling, choosing about how my dad ate, how my dad managed his trauma, how my dad managed the day-to-day -day stuff. The negative side, I've chosen not to use. The positive side, I've chosen to use to learn from. So I've, I've made another tree in my mind. Can you see that? That's epigenetics too. So epigenetics is what passes through and epigenetics is also what you do with your mind to what has come through. Does that make sense? Of course it does. Absolutely. I just wanted you to explain it to everyone in the tribe because I think it's very important, so important. in the way you know, that we are evolving as human beings and adapting. You know, I think like one of the major reasons why so many people freaked out during the COVID is because we weren't taught adaptive 
of tools to be able mm. to manage the way that our minds are operating in, you know, in when it comes with threat or fear or some type of chaotic situation that represents life and death, you know, and I think that if we had more of that knowledge, if we were able to, let's just say, if we had your book, clean up your mental mess, right? (laughs) (laughs) Angel, you know, and mine, yes, that we would be able to, you know, really navigate in a, in a very strong way, how to move through those fields and how to move through those forests and how to activate the right amount of information and also stewardship of our thinking process so that we're able to not go into these spirals of depression and panic attacks and high levels of anxiety and uh, inflammation. And since we're talking about inflammation, Mm. let's get into, because a lot of people don't realize that your thinking, because people think inflammation just comes from food or Mm. just comes from any type of like medicines or drugs that they put in their system. They don't understand that your body develops inflammation also in the way that you think and process. I'd love for you to talk about that. Oh, absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, just, just also to uh, to quickly reiterate back, we have to teach people about mind. If we don't teach people, this is the neglected area and it goes right to the very first question you asked. What you're now trying to do is teach people how to tap into their mind. If if we operate in our wired for love survival mode, we won't have what we see going on in the world, this hatred and this fighting and the racism and the political issues because people that's not survival we would be operating differently so that's just my five cents worth we have to teach mind from from our babies need to be learned to be taught how to use their minds properly it's a skill that we can develop mind is malleable as brain is neuroplastic okay so in terms of the mind brain integration it's unbelievable okay so get it this way remember the mind is the gravitational field that surrounds and moves through the brain and the body So if my mind is a mess, if I am reacting in a toxic way to everything and just losing my temper all the time or living in a state of constant worry and like always being whatever, whatever, that's a mental mess. And that messy wave will move through the brain. It's disruptive. So think of that wave I described through the forest, that perfect, lovely wave. Instead of it being this lovely swells and veggie ripple and so on, it's like a tsunami. It's like this crazy damaging storm like we just had in Texas last week where we lost power and water for a couple of days here. And that's that's destructive. And so that then obviously is going to, it, it moves through the brain. The mind moves through the brain and the body. So whatever you're doing with your mind will impact brain and body. So in my research, I looked at various different biomarkers and I put this in the book in a very simple way and the science and these graphs and that kind of thing. And the science I've written up in a way that I'll put a little science fact and then I put the, this is what it means for you. So it's pretty easy to unpack it, but I'm a great believer in teaching people about giving people knowledge and changing attitude and giving people skills. And that's how I write my books and how I teach it's knowledge, attitude, and skills, because that leads to behavior change. So that's why I put the science in and it'll excite you and, and help to shift your, your attitude and, you know, mindsets more, you know, like help people to then make that, not just take it as knowledge, but actually use the knowledge. We won't use, we won't use knowledge if we just give people knowledge. We'll use knowledge when people their heart responds. So what I want to say about the inflammation is that we saw in our experimental and our control group, we saw very interesting things happening. At the beginning of the study, we looked at in our experimental and control group, we looked at blood measures, various different blood measures that would tell us about 
uh, their stress levels and their hormone levels and inflammation. We looked inside the brain look, using the key QEEG. We did various different uh, DNA. We looked at DNA. We looked at the telomeres, which is a proxy for how mind is managed and biological aging, emotional management and so on. And we also looked at the standard psychological measures. And I've developed a tool that looks at your ability to mind manage and self-regulate. But most importantly, we looked at the person's narrative, which is that spiritual part of you. Who are you? What are you going through? What's your life? What's your story? Each subject in the experimental and control group went through all of that testing at various different points. So all of them became very aware of their issues. We created tremendous awareness in them. The experimental group got the neurocycle, which is the five-step process, not a therapy technique, doesn't, it doesn't replace any technique. It's the system within which you can put anything. So everything you teach Shaman Dirk to and do with your tribe, they can it can become that much more effective in the in the in the side of neurocycle because it's how you get the best mind brain integration, how to get to the wisdom of the forest. You know, it's just it's a system for getting that mind conscious non conscious mind connection happening so that you can dig into the depths of who you are and and rewire and reorder and etc cetera, etc cetera, and get the waves flowing like they should and so on. So what we saw is. For example, in the book, there's one, there's some colored images. One of the subjects was unbelievably depressed at the beginning of the study in the experimental group. They, this was their like, they did everything. They'd done all the standard gold, standard stuff, which is not gold. It's not good at all, but they were clinically diagnosed with depression. They'd done all the medications, combinations, therapy, CBT, conditioning. Nothing was working. They were relationships offline, life offline, work offline, ready to give up, not sleeping. They were done. This was kind of a last, sort of close to a last resort to try and pull things back together again. There, we saw such inflammation in their in their brain and body, tremendous inflammation, and that is because when your mind is messy, it moves through the brain and the body, and fourteen hundred neurophysiological responses will work against you. So, for example, homocysteine levels will immediately increase, mm. prolactin levels will increase, cortisol will increase, glucose Ooh. will increase, and it happens instantly. I recently was using testing out a glucose constant, a continual glucose monitoring device, and we'd gone through quite a traumatic experience at the end of the year last year. Very, very not quite very, and I actually happened to be wearing the monitor, and I happened to look at my levels, and my cortisol, my my glucose levels had shot to two hundred and twenty, which is basically at risk for heart attack. It's so high. Normally, it's around eighty six to ninety four, and that was because of my acute reaction to the trauma, the acute trauma that I was in the process of in the midst of going through and once I, I started realizing that that's that means that my if my glucose is up my cortisol's up if my cortisol's up my DHEA is down my homocysteine is up that just mentioning my prolactin's up just mentioning those markers alone ACTH as well that means that my brain is now swelling my body is now swelling instantly I've got now blood vessels around my heart constricting. I've got less blood flow and oxygen to my brain. And I've now got a tsunami in my brain. That delta, theta, alpha, beta is going crazy. I'll have imbalance in the two sides of my brain. In that state, I will not have cognitive flexibility. I will not have cognitive fluency. I will not. I will be very impulsive. I won't be able to even get close to that tree in the middle of the forest where wisdom is. To get there, you have to actually, it's like trying to, you can't land a plane when there's a major storm. You have to divert and that's what would happen. I would have diverted and I would have diverted where. So I realized I had to land the plane. I had to calm the storm. So I did the neurocycle in the midst of that 
that um, acute trauma, did the five steps of the neurocycle to get my mind back on track. I repeated it through the whole time period of that incident, which was 12 hours, but I did an instant one and I happened to just look at my glucose monitoring level and it had dropped back down to 96 and short popped up and down during the course of the next 12 hours. But each time it came up, I controlled it. And I say that to say I could immediately, the minutes that we are in, and that's extreme, but in an argument, same thing happened. I was very irritated. I work with my husband and my three of my four kids. They work with me. And it's easy to get irritated with family. Unfortunately, it is. We have a philosophy in our business, kind, kind, kind. It doesn't always work, but we always revert back to that. And <laughs> so I'm quite open it's to okay. admitting. I understand it 100%. <laughs> so you get into these arguments. I actually have a podcast where I did this with my my poor one daughter, who's my producer, Dominique. You've met her. Anyway, um, so even in the moment by moment where you can lose it and get irritated about dumb things and you've got to pull it together and get your head back on immediately my homocysteine my cortisol levels glucose etc shot up and then i got it under control with a the, the neurocycle in other words mind management self-regulating observing standing back and saying okay messy mind caroline that's not going to work inflammation's happening so we saw that so we saw with our clinical trials that once the experimental group got the, the neurocycle, they did the app daily, they didn't get therapy from me, they worked with themselves. And this is also my point I want to make. You can go to therapy, it's fantastic, go counseling, do whatever, coaching, but they, no one can fix you. You still have to live with yourself 24-7. How are you managing your mind 24-7? That's what I'm trying to help people to understand how to do, Shaman, is to actually get people to manage their mind in the moment. Because we saw with, the, with that subject that was so depressed, their brain wasn't like a tsunami. They had a flat line. Nothing was functioning. They were literally dropping off the grid in their brain, very, very low levels of oxygen, which meant high levels of impulsivity. And they were making some seriously dangerous decisions in their life at that, at that time. Within three weeks, the brain had stabilized. The homocysteine levels, in other words, um, all the markers of inflammation had dropped significantly back down to normal. And uh, this was in three weeks. Now, if we had measured daily, we would have seen that spikes up and down. But after three weeks over time, their blood levels were normalized. The inflammation had gone. By day 63, which was nine weeks later, blood markers were at a stable level. We didn't have to refer them on for any other medical treatment to get their blood levels the inflammation markers down, they were down. The telomeres, which are the, are the little tips at the end of chromosomes, which are vital for reproducing cells. And we, we make about a million cells every second. And the health of our mind, our epigenetic factors will influence how those function, how, the, how the, the cells, how the telomeres function. So that person who was so depressed, their telomeres were not doing a good job. So their body was aging. And so they were in the mid-30s, but they had a, a body of a sickly 65-year-old. Old. Right. So at the beginning of the study, their body was 35 to 40 years older than what their actual body, actual age was, and it was sick. By the end of the study, their body had gone back to the right age. One more, one more example, in our experimental group, the control, the control group, they didn't get the neurocycle, so they got all this testing, so they were very aware, but their brain, the one particular subject who's in the book, there's a case study of both, these two case studies, I've just described one. The other case study was a subject who was unbelievably anxious and um, I just have to say anxiety and depression, never, not, not illnesses, they're warning signals of an underlying cause. They are warning signals, not diseases. This person was incredibly anxious, incredibly worked up. And by the end of the study was even more worked up. They had like real tsunamis through their brain because the awareness 
didn't have self-regulation. They didn't have mind management. So it got worse. Obviously, we gave them the NeuroCycle app at the end of the study. So the whole point here is that we're going to impact our physical because it has to happen because our mind is working through the brain and the body. So we will. And when, when we get those biomarkers, those are more signals from our body to tell us, okay, this is against survival. We need to pay attention. We need to manage our minds in order to manage what how we're dealing with things, how we're coping with things, in addition to obviously diet and exercise, which are the easy ones to manage. Mind is the one that we don't always think about enough in terms of management. So there's a sort of overview of of the concept. I don't know if you want me to explain any more in that arena. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful overview and it's a very important overview because I think a lot of people don't realize what is actually happening when they're going into those experiences, especially with the fight or flight experience, Exactly. Um, you know, what's taking place inside of them. And, you know, in shamanism, we spend a lot of time focusing on how the neurological system is, you know, how it's being affected by the outside world, how it's being affected by your conversations, your engagements, and the way that you're interacting with people in the world. A lot of people don't realize just by sitting down on a table with someone and going into an argument or having those bickering moments are what they're actually doing to the neurological system and what oh, they're absolutely. doing to mind. Yeah, just an argument. Um, there, there was a study done. I didn't do the study, but just having um, an argument can drop your immune system functioning by up to sixty percent. Um, there was a study came out the other day that the way within within seconds you have dropped immune st- um, stability by up to 40 percent to sixty percent when you're not managing your mind. So if you're getting constantly anxious and worked up, and if you think now in this COVID era we need fired up immune systems and f- strong immune systems to fight COVID and to be to to help our body to benefit. From from the vaccine, you know, and that's something that we, you know, we don't always realize. And, you know, the other thing I wanted to say is that this toxic thoughts are undealt with bad habits and undealt with trauma and established things that are keeping us stuck and, and getting falling into bad patterns like people pleasing and, you know, constant anger and, and just busy, busy, busy that we don't process, we don't observe enough, like you always say. That these toxic thoughts are created in your brain. Like I said in the beginning, that every experience you have, everything you do, if you get irritated, you are processing that irritation through an irritation thing field choose into your brain as an irritation protein tree, which is the proteins actually fold incorrectly. And that, that means the vibration's not correct. That means the energy is not correct around there. And do you know that your immune system of your brain and your body immediately recognize that in the same way as, as it would see COVID virus, like COVID virus? I mean, this is so powerful, Shaman Derek, that people get this, that a toxic thoughts as real, just think just, you think, oh, anger is not as powerful as COVID. Oh, absolutely. If you persistently reacting and have this toxic habit of fighting with someone or have this pattern in your life or this thing that you're suppressing, it is a physical misfolded protein tree. That's why I use the image of the imagery of the dark twisted trees. It's actual proteins that make the branches that are folded incorrectly, which create an imbalance in the in the actual vibration, the quantum vibration, the dipoles and all that stuff. It's all science. And that creates this whole inflammatory effect. So your brain sees this, ah, wow, that's as dangerous as COVID, sends out inflammatory factors 
so the T lymphocytes and the B lymphocytes and the macrophages, and you have a cytokine storm, and that's and the, the immune system sending out these inflammatory factors to create inflammation, which is actually good for you initially. It's to create a state of um, isolation around the area of damage in order for the body to heal itself. But then the body heals itself, and then you have anti-inflammatory factors, which then reduce the inflammation. So the initial immune response is a fighting response to repair. But if you don't repair, so if you don't deal with the trauma, if you don't deal with the toxic habit, then you, the brain immune system keeps sending out more inflammatory factors, and that's where the inflammation is coming from. But when you manage your mind, you then remove the source of why the inflammation, why the immune system has to send out the soldiers in the first place. So you remove the threat, which is managing your mind. And that's what the neurocycle is helping you do. Absolutely. And that's so needed. And I think, you know, I know that we're out of time and, I, and I'm very excited for us to do more. And we have a lot more we're going to be doing. And also, with, you know, and also with the, you know, going into it as well with testing a lot of the shamanic uh, um, information and bringing that into ways that it can be described both through uh, neuroscience and how it affects our bodies and how it's affecting our lives. I, I always am so happy to have you you know, be there for me and support me and stand behind me and, and a lot of the things that I share and talk about with the world. It's, it's, it's a refreshing feeling to have someone who's so powerful and prolific as you, Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Thank you. Who, you know, really is. And I love that I can always share things with you shamanically and you explain it to me scientifically. <laughs> and it's, it's great. And I, 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 just, I just applaud you in your new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, Five Simple Scientifically Proven Steps to Reduce Anxiety, Stress, and Toxic Thinking by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. I, everyone, if you don't have this on your shelf and pre-order it and get it um, on your shelf, uh, you're, you're definitely missing out on a huge amount of information that can literally transform your family, your life, and every aspect of your being because the, the information is there, the scientific studies are there, and it's important for us to really be able to understand that, you know, a lot of those people who are listening right now who are highly spiritual beings, it's also important for you to understand the scientific understandings of what's going on in your body as well. If you're a healer, if you're a shaman, if you're doing any type of energy, and even if you're not, even if you're just a mom or a dad or a blue collar, or if you're working as an executive or a celebrity or whatever it is you are, whoever you are in life, this book is a must need for everyone to have because it's important to be able to see that Dr. Carolyn Leaf went and did the research, figured out what's going on, what's happening to our bodies, how we can facilitate ourselves to be able to get into a different space. And just going through the book, you're going to see so much plethora of information that is going to really give you the tools that you need to be able to up-level your life in a huge way. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, I am so honored to have you today on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast for your share and your love and your devotion to everything that you're doing in the world. Thank you. And it's my absolute honor and pleasure. And I love talking to you. And thank you for the great conversations. And thank you for always being there for me and helping me understand, getting a deeper level of understanding of, of me as well and of life and of all the great work. And I'm very excited to to do things with you in the future and can't wait for you to have you on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and for all the and for all the things we're gonna do together. I'm very yes. excited. Me too. I love you, sweetheart. You too. Thank you so much. Hey, Tribe. I'm super happy that we had Dr. Carolyn Leaf 
on the podcast. She's such a dear friend and an amazing colleague and just a beautiful soul all around and so powerful in her knowledge and understanding of how neuroscience and the mind and how it connects to the body as well as the spirit and how we as a society of people are opening up ourselves to that information instead of it just being known by the doctors and those who are operating within the neurological process that we actually have the knowledge and the ability to be able to really be stewards of our mind. You know, the understanding of how we gather and connect into who we are as individuals and really understanding her five-step neurocycle process, which is so important when it comes to understanding how we can shift our mindset. You know, a lot of times people go through life and they're constantly reacting and constantly going into their mind in a way where they're just letting their mind take over them. And then it leads them through all these emotional cycles of, of pain and depression and anxiety and stress. And I mean, the list continues. And, you know, being able to have a format an understanding where you're utilizing intelligence in a way that is benefiting you as a resource to being able to navigate your mind, but also be able to see and witness what is happening within your mind. So that way you can catch those nuances of thought and energy and be able to shift them and really open up that neuroplasticity so that you can move through any type of energy in any type of situation in your life with ease and grace. And Dr. Carolyn Leaf, you know, she she's really, when it comes to understanding how we develop as a species and how we can up-level ourselves in the way that we optimize our brain and our mind, because they are two different things. And a lot of times people don't realize that they think their brain is their mind, but it's not. And being understanding that the mind in its truth is really the most fundamental definition of, you know, the mind itself is how you think and feel and choose and which what you are doing in your life. When we understand how to step into that place of the neurocycle where she explains in her book, Clean Up Your Mental Mess, Five Simple Scientifically Proven Steps to Reduce Anxiety, Stress and Toxic Thinking. You know, she really goes over understanding what that neurocycle process is so you can really get in tune with it because the mind works through the brain. The brain is the physical organ that filters and responds to the mind. But based on her research and all of her clinical experiences, you know, she has found that the mind is the biggest part of us, right? The 90% to 99% of who we are. And so when we understand that the mind has a huge part to play in a lot of the ways in which we perceive the world that we live in. So the more we're able to step into this place and realize that the mind is not this byproduct of our brain, right? And understanding that, you know, we have the ability and she, through all of her beautiful clinical tests and everything that she does, which she actually lays out in her new book, it really gives you an understanding of this compelling evidence showing that the mind in action of our thinking and our feeling and our choosing that includes paying attention to something or, you know, how we observe things and building our memory in a deliberate way, predicting something and even expecting events and effects on our a way that we're operating, which creates that neuroplasticity. 
that means that you think and you feel and you choose and you will expect and believe. And in doing so, you are reshaping your mental landscape, which is a lot of what we think about in shamanism, because in shamanism, we're always talking about, you know, changing your brain technology, right? Being able to open up the brain space technology and having that awareness of how that is operating gives you such a powerful position in your life as an individual, because you're able to perceive all of the many different choices and how they will affect you based on what you choose. So kind of like when you look at the old Sherlock Holmes films, right? With Robert Downey Jr. And you see how he's able to pinpoint those energies of what's going to happen and he sees them in his mind before it actually happens and then he knows which way to do something or or which way to make a choice we have that same ability it's not just in the movies y'all right it's real and it's a part of us and yet we haven't been taught how to do that because the system that we live in that has built this industry, this technology industry of how, and when I say technology, because that's what it is, it's calculated information put into place to create structures of limitation that anyone who goes through it gets programmed into those structures of limitation so that they only abide to the rules that the matrix tells them to abide by and then creates this unforeseen fear or lack or limitation of something bad going to happen if they break those rules. And that's why a lot of people are not living in their truth. And that's one of the biggest reasons why people have so much conflict and so much fear and so much, you know, I don't know what to do with my life and why am I here situation because they've been put into an industry that has literally manipulated their natural rhythms of their mind to match the frequencies that the, that the matrix wants you to be um, affected by. So it imprints you with information and intelligence that goes against your own operating system, therefore making you believe that the world you live in that you think is logic isn't really logic at all because the rules don't apply to the way that nature in the body and the whole entire system, the way that your brain, your mind, your emotions, your synthesis, the way your body perceives information it goes against all of that. And it only imprints the information that it wants you to be aware of so that you can continually be magnetized to those things such as consumerism or war, where I mean, on our planet, we create a synthesis that it's okay to see human abuse and war and zombies on TV and all of these very painful experiences that for the spirit and mind to to partake in But to see something that's more intimate and loving and sensual or pleasurable in nature is considered taboo and wrong and and so forth because it's set up to imprint you in a way that keeps you away from your heart and your true connection to other people. So you live in this kind of vacuous space of only feeling safe by the things that the matrix tells you to feel safe in. And what I think is really great about what, what Dr. Carolyn Leaf has done is that A lot of times, a lot of inflammation, a lot of illnesses, and a lot of mental health breakdowns come from the idea that you are not able to understand what's going on with your mind and how it's affecting your body and how it's affecting your choice-making abilities in this world. And what she has done is she's written a book called Clean Up Your Mental Mess. And really what she's saying is that you get to be the person who really gets to understand how to reduce this anxiety, this stress, this toxic thinking, which is like 
the biggest problem when you see the problems in the world is because human beings have these opinions, but their opinions are not seen or understood. They're just spouted out of their mouth, sent out into the world. Their whole entire disposition towards life is being governed by incorrect thinking or malfunction in thinking. And that malfunction in thinking is creating this huge, huge problem on our planet because no one's going in and saying, let me witness myself. Let me be, let me connect to the part of my mind that sees the facial expressions that I'm making, that sees how I'm responding to things, sees my reactions, knows my reactions before I make those reactions and is giving me a really beautiful bird's eye view on how I'm experiencing life, but not just from the bird's eye perspective, but from a complete quantum perspective where I'm able to see all of the different ways I'm responding, why I'm responding that way, where it's coming from, how it keeps regulating and circulating within my mental landscape and within my body. And then I get to be the one who goes in and redirects it and changes it for the good. So that way I'm not held to it or I'm not imprisoned by it. I'm not limited by it and I'm not being um, subjugated by it. And so a lot of times when people think about things, they don't understand that when they're thinking, they're actually in the thinking process. They're not observing the thinking process. And that's what I really love about how she separates the brain and the mind and really gets you to look at those things from that perspective. So literally the understanding of the changes that are happening throughout your brain, the neuroplasticity of your brain isn't isolated into a single system. The directed mind management aspect of your being, right, that she talks about in her neurocycle is a remodel entirely in your system and the networks in your brain. And even the, it empowers the under functioning brains, the, the part of the the drives, the neurological impaired brains, you know, the aspects of yourself that you are holding in traumatizations of trauma and suffering and, and hurt and anguish and all of these different things that you're holding on to. And basically the understanding that the brain is not hardwired or stuck and it's able to, you know, to maneuver itself in a way that creates change in your life because it's softwired, which eventually means it responds to what we think, feel and choose and what we eat and what we see and what we put into our body and how we move our body, the way we conduct ourselves in our lives and everything. So really what she's doing is she's pinpointing, right, the necessary functions on how your brain, right, and your mind are operating. And that's important because that's not what you're taught in school. You're not taught in school how to be a steward of your mind so that you make choices that govern your life to live your best life, to stay a lit leader of legacy and be powerful. You're, you're governed in life as a way to follow rules that have consequences. So you're, you're governed to become a domesticated being, much like an animal, where you make decisions based on being loved or not being liked or getting hurt or having some form of joy. But again, that joy or that hurt 
is really subjective to your belief systems and your upbringing and what you've experienced. And so for her to really give you the tools to create that neuroplasticity where you're actually creating it through her process and what she's doing is she's giving you five steps to provide the mind management process that takes you from being a bystander watching the car crash to being a first responder. That's powerful. There's nothing more powerful than being able to take action in your life so that you are able to respond in a way that supports you to really live, not just to be a person who's just watching life pass you by and all these things happening to you and you have no understanding of what is going on and you have no understanding of how to maneuver yourself from these situations, right? So literally when you are just watching the car crash to being a first responder, eventually what happens is you are able to prevent the car crash in the first place. You are able to understand the same way that any part of your being sends a signal through your system. You're able to see it from that perspective so that you can actually thwart yourself from any type of danger or situation that may occur because you're operating in a higher intelligence and being able to mind manage yourself, right? And through that process, you are being able to remove all of those energies, the bad habits, the trauma, the pain, the memories that have keep causing aggressive markers in your body that make you feel like you're constantly being attacked, even though you're living in a different time from the time of your past where you suffered and experienced those things. You'll be able to understand how your mind is this time machine and that you've actually been traveling to different places in time where you've experienced trauma and you've been stuck in that time while you're body is in a different experience, but your body's still feeling all that energy and being able to maneuver through those experiences, right? So with mind management, even more fundamental problems can be addressed in your life that you wouldn't even think is possible. And so the way we understand that is that the brain literally changes in hundreds of thousands of ways on a cellular, molecular, and chemical and genetic structure levels that she talks about in her book. And the more and more she is learning and sharing with you all of the research that has come from all of these tests and experiences that she's had with different subjects who she's experimented with to be able to bring this information to you so that you're able to see and understand how your mind is operating and how all of these elemental processes that define the state of the brain function. Having that knowledge is important and being able to speak about it and know about it puts the power back in your hands. And that's why I'm so happy that she was on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast because one, you got to get her book and two, she's a powerhouse. And it's so beautiful to see such an amazing woman who is out there in the world teaching people about neuroscience and how it connects to us on all these really functional human levels that involve every aspect of our life so that we can stay lit. I love you, Tribe, and I'm so happy you got to be a part of such an amazing share on Ancient Wisdom today. I'll see you for the next share. Love you. I've created the Healing Temple because people all over the world want and need healing, but don't have the access to those healers or can't afford them. 
One of the biggest high-ticket items in the world today is remote healing, but some sessions cost hundreds to even thousands of dollars. And for only $10, the Healing Temple is a collective space for people to come together every Friday for 30 minutes. Participants are opening a wellspring of abilities, alleviating stress and brain fog, where the mind becomes more optimized and performance-based, and where you learn to utilize energy to up-level your consciousness. The Healing Temple also helps to break down walls where you begin operating in awareness of wellness, feeling ambitious and inspired like things are really changing in your life. Inside the Healing Temple, you're also stepping into a world where you might experience phenomenons that you thought wasn't possible. Something as small as a chill or the hair standing on the back of your neck becomes like an opening door. Some members have even said they've experienced increased psychic abilities and that these sensations have intensified with following sessions. I've trained my powers to impact change and I've learned how to get results. Who doesn't want to feel good? The Healing Temple is not only beneficial to you, but also to those around you. Because when you're feeling good, you shine that positive energy onto others. Your partner, your children, co-workers, even your dog or your cat. Everyone around you begins to feel better because you are feeling better. It's a rippling effect that's much needed on this planet. We need the Healing Temple more than ever right now because of all that's happening in the world, the social political structures, calamities, chaos, and feelings of hopelessness and despair. The social climate is on high and this pressure cooker is taking a negative toll on how many of us feel. The Healing Temple offers comfort on a global level because when more people are feeling good, the more kindness, generosity, and realness is generated. For only $10, I invite you to become part of the community that seeks to do good, to feel good, and to make this world a better place. Go to shamandurek.com and click the Healing Temple to join our wellspring of healing, restoration, and elevated consciousness. See you in the temple. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more. And remember, tribe, no matter what, stay lit.